Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Zach. And tonight we're discussing The Bastard Executioner, episode 105. Um, <laughs> the title for this episode is uh, still a head-scratcher. Uh, it is P.Profit, forward slash, um, Profiteer, I don't know, P-R-O-F-F-I-D-W-Y-R, and Troth, T-R-O-E-T-H. Um, interesting name. Anyway, the uh, the director is one of my new favorites, Carrie Scoglin. She has um, been doing a lot of recent stuff, stuff that my brother and I have been potting, is like Fear the Walking Dead, and, and has some history on The Walking Dead. But she's done several other things, Longmire, Under the Dome, um, so, I mean, just on an entire array. Very talented uh, female director that is doing well, and I enjoyed her direction on this episode, and I hope she continues to do more. Um, as for the episode itself, I thought it was a good episode. I wouldn't say it's like phenomenal, over the top, great, um, but it was a good build up, set up, um, continue the plot lines. Uh, maintain curiosity and interest and so overall I definitely think it was a good episode um, and I do believe the show itself is improving uh, gradually as it goes the dialogue is uh, definitely uh, easier on the ears the characters are starting to become more and more uh, lovable and care about and you can definitely see the struggles and now we're getting the inner turmoils and the drama and how things are going to start uh, creating its own problems as you're solving another and this is very typical uh, Kurt Sutter uh, just as soon as you can accomplish one thing you create four more problems and after you start completing those you create four more problems and so on and it's a spiral effect um, that is very typical of his writing style and complete direction of how he creates things and I kind of I really enjoy it um, you know there's no such thing as a uh, uh, what do you call it? I would call it in peace to anything he does. You know, uh, even at the end of a show, he still leaves you with jaw dropping, and you know there's still problems to be solved. So uh, that is his style, and that's why I love watching his stuff. Um, the show begins basically right where it left off the last time. You know, it talks to the Baroness, and she shows you her bloody linens and uh, different things, and how they need to hide it and wash it differently to kind of keep their uh, their secret a uh, secret um, but the Lord from the uh, king shows up uh, and brings a piss tester uh, this is uh, quite a bit different than I ever expected um, and it was one of the things I actually really was fond of for the episode is that it was something new unique something you've never seen heard or I didn't even know history of um, and so the, the these modes and devices or whatever his methods to establish pregnancy uh, were just just a real head scratcher, but so so interesting at the same time. Um, so I kudos to Sutter and these this this little scenario here. So I, I really did enjoy that. Um, of course, Chamberlain greets him, and you know he gets disrespected, um, and you know as well as her. And basically, this is an entire deal to figure out that she's a fraud. He threatens her. Uh, the Lord talks about how he's going to take her breast away and chop her head off with a sword, and uh, it was uh, it definitely had some solid drama going on there. And what was going to happen? With her? Of course, you know you always have that little itch in the back of your mind that yeah, she's going to get through this. It's not like this guy's going to suddenly get a fraud and then. The other guy's going to come, you know, Chamberlain's going to continue right on with his plan. It doesn't make that sense. But, you know, it does show you that, you know, the phases she has to go. But it also shows you the connections she makes with new characters that she wouldn't typically be making um, to continue the show. Um, 
you know the then the uh, as you know the show progresses the uh you know you see the lord and gets the twins and you know i don't know about anybody else but i'm struggling to figure out if the twins are on whose side or who they actually love or who's going on it just it's inconsistent you know for one second i'm thinking it's from the chamber one second i think it's the lord i'm wondering it's back and forth back and forth um but you know i even lost interest with that so that was kind of a downer for me um but when when it peaked up when Brattle and Marshall are bringing food to their buddies that are stuck in this hole and the Chamberlain, you know, Colvin shows up and the whole, you know, I need you to complete a task and in exchange, you know, your boys won't be killed. They'll just have a little, little bit of servitude uh, and build, you know, burn some relics or do something, you know, create this situation to prevent this uh, this favor from the king. And the whole time this is going on, I'm enjoying the dialogue. I'm enjoying the setup, you know. And how many times have we seen Jax Taylor and his crew have to solve a problem for somebody else bad to further their own ambition, you know? And so it was very much deja vu. It was very, like I said, very subtle. You know, it fits right into his, you know, his blueprint, his rubric, however you want to say it, his writing style. Um, and like nine times out of ten in other shows like Sons of Anarchy and S.H.I.E.L.D. and other things he's done, it's never just that simple. You know, either the job has a complication that leads to somebody who shouldn't got killed or it leads to a situation where you were deceived or the wrong location where it's set up for your own person. And so I knew immediately this was a this this entire burning of relics had an alternative motive and possibly an alternative target. Um, and of course... As we found out later, the, you know they set up a good ambush, and I'm sitting there, and these soldiers get off the horse, and he's like, "Are you dim?" You know, and he immediately stabs and kills him with this, you know, small dagger, and go they go about, you know, slaughtering the whole group. And one thing I did appreciate about this for sure is that it was not long and drawn out. We didn't have a lot of screaming and sword play and back and forth. It was quick. It was tactical. It was, um, you know, executed properly. Uh, it was created distractions. It, you know, there was just a lot going on there, but it was all was well done and looked well rehearsed. There was nothing that was over the top. There was no mystical, no, you know, just, you know, you didn't see him run down the horse with bare hands and bring the carriage to a stop and, you know, kill a man with it. It was just, it was just a lot that could have gone that way and it didn't. It was efficient. It was quick, like it should have been. And so I applaud Sutter and. Curious Goggling for, you know, doing that right to give it that realism, uh, taste and flair. And it was a good scene. Um, you know, and of course, when the carriage is on fire and they throw these things on to make it worse. And you hear, you know, you get your surprise that there's humans in there, you know, people. Um, you know, of course, they get one out. And I rewinded it twice. I could not tell. I'm figuring there's a child in the carriage uh, that didn't get put out. Um, you know, didn't get put out or get pulled out. Um, but of course they pulled out Lady Price. Now, Lady Price was a little of an enigma to it, but I believe this is the wife to the other Baron, and this is part of the plan to execute, you know, any other, uh, things that might, um, you know, unravel their plan to get one Baron over both Shires and him become the Chamberlain and more, more power, more money, more wealth, uh, more control. Um, and I believe that's what this is. I might be completely off base. And if I am, please email me and, or hit me on Facebook or something and let me know that I'm off on this. Because I know that the little book he was reading said, you know, something about Edward. Um, 
I'm just I'm not positive who that is, and so that is a misfire on my part. Um, but hit me up some feedback. Let me know what's going on with that, and uh, so we can move forward. Um, this leads to Brattle and Corbin to a great hand-to-hand -hand combat in the office. Um, and, you know, I really enjoy these things, you know, um, but I don't enjoy them when they go so long that they become unrealistic. Um, the reality of it is, is that even for the time or peace or like that, you know, a man can only sustain a couple punches to the face or other places before you be, just become incapacitated or um, we, you know, they were taking some amazing shots at each other, you know, back and forth and uh, debilitating shots to the groin and other things. And, you know, sometimes, it, yeah, it's great action. It adds more to it, but sometimes just too much. Uh, and this was very much on that line of maybe a little too much. But it didn't stop me from enjoying it. So, you know, as much as I want realism and this and that, Sometimes you do got to have to put that little extra seasoning on the chicken to make it taste that much better. So um, the fight was good. I was, you know, he didn't get arrested. That was all great. Um, but it also leads, you know, it leads to you to the fact of is that it lets you know that they need each other more than they ever would. And so this has to let Brattle's character know, you know, or the, the character Brattle know that he is just as much important and that almost untouchable because uh, his services are needed and is, is what they are. And so this has to, hopefully this shows that he has a leg up more than he realizes for the future. Um, as the show continues, you know, Cor Corbin is basically wants to know what this Lord from the King is really up to and what he's trying to go on. And he confronts him at a table while they're eating. Um, I really thought this was surprising considering that, you know, it was very forward. It was very direct, um, you know, basically asking the guy who controls so much and has so much influence with the king, what the heck you're doing here? Um, kind of got the vibe this was not going to end well. And of course it didn't. And I'm not sitting here beating myself on the back. I'm not telling you my rotator cuff's hurting because I constantly slap myself on the back of, you know, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. But you know, it would just, it definitely shot out there like, yeah, no, you shouldn't be doing this. Uh, and it leads to the, you know, him dropping trial and saying, you know, uh, I, you know, I loosen my lips when, you know, you basically have something to put my cock in. And I was kind of like, really? My first thought, so to show you that I was wrong, was is that I was kind of like, well, maybe Corbin's going to pull that little dagger off his hip right here and go ahead and do a little slice of filet. Uh and uh, make this man, you know, a nutless wonder. And it didn't happen. Uh, and I was disappointed. I was really hoping we were going to see a sausage on the table, but it wasn't a sausage. Um, instead, he actually leans forward after being told to put on his knees and gets slapped away, which is even more embarrassing. And you, and I'll give credit, credit here to the James. And this acting scene here, his absolute anger and, you know, the twitching and the the uh, just the complete meltdown, you know, in which he completely shows. He goes in there, finds his, you know, his stooge, his boyfriend, his butt puppet, whatever you want to call it, and beats the ever living tar out of him in frustration. And I'm not talking about just like just a beating. I'm talking about like this is like a curb stomping, taken to the woodshed, and you probably don't survive. Broken ribs, disfigurement, whatever. 
this was a severe severe beating and wow um I don't know homeboy's going to come out of this. You know, I'm afraid this guy's going to be like something down the road and just end up stabbing this, and that's how he dies. You know, something completely out of left field um, and completely out of, you know, in shock and nobody ever sees coming, and that's that's something else Sutter can do, you know. Just when you think somebody's going to get there, somebody, they die for a, a crazy reason or something you never expect coming in the line. Um, of course, Baroness and... Uh, Meets up with Brattle and needs them, you know, in one way or the other, you have some good dialogue, have some human kind of interaction, and it comes down to I need to meet your healer, Nora, who's helped you come around and be what you are. And eventually they do. And this was one of those cool, really cool scenes of the show. I really like the set location there on the water with all the stone, and the lighting was really cool. And you noticed all the wind coming off the ocean blowing the hair around and so on. Impressive. This was a spot that I really, really enjoyed. It was one of the one of the few times the set piece really enhanced the shot. It made the story uh, more believable. Um, in contrast, the, when they open up and you see a Nora in the um, a Nora and Brattle's character in the marketplace in the beginning, you know, you can definitely tell they've spent time and money to make sure that their clothing and different things are right. Even though I'm not a huge fan of Nora's hairpiece, it's, you know, Katie Seagal. I mean, it, they've aged her terribly with that hairpiece. And these, you know, late 80s, early 90s, Jerry Kerr wave going up and I don't know. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't pull, you know, the, the 9 or 10 for me in realism. And it's unfortunate. But the, the entire place, you know, yeah. It's cool that you see people carving up meat and raw meat and day, you know, and all this. And there's definitely little elements. And yes, you see all the teeth are bad and all that. And I get all that looks are good details, but it's still missing something. I can't tell what it is. I don't know if it's just not having a haze. People are not dirty. Uh, maybe you know, you should be sickness around. There should be a lot of different things. I'm just, I don't know. I can't put my finger right on what's missing, but there's just that feeling there's something missing. And it could be just the way it's, you know, filmed, like it's not gritty enough. It could be that there's just not enough haze. It just doesn't show the, the squalor, you know, or different things. I just, I don't know. There's something about it. It makes it either too clean or something that it just it's missing the element and I can't put my finger on it. So hopefully, you know, down the line I can figure something out. But if there's a viewer out there who has an idea what you think could maybe change, if you agree with me, let me know. I'm just I'm at a loss of words to figure out what it is. Um but back to Honora and the Baroness at the end at the ocean at night. Um really cool scene to see her look over and see Sutter's character, you know, the you know, I don't know, the dark mute, which is not very mute, uh, look around, and, you know, his lighting there was really cool, looking and looking away, um, and of course, and then her giving her a, a cloth, and talking about how cold she is, and her hands are like stone, and, and she starts crying, um, this is another situation where I didn't quite understand why, um, you know, is she fearful, is she desperate, is she, um, did Honora say something that triggered an emotion from the past? I don't know. I just, um, I've kind of scratched my head trying to figure that out. Um, I'm going to lean with more towards I'm desperate, I'm in a tight spot, um, and that's what I'm going with. Um, 
while this happens, Brattle is sitting there and has him a little vision of his wife, or his dead wife. And we get a little bit of a nice uh, naked scene, um, you know. She drops the clothes and starts walking and uh, has a little bit of doubt. And I'm, you know, just kind of like, okay, I wonder where this is going. And then all of a sudden she falls in the hole. Um, <laughs> didn't see this coming. Uh, it's definitely out of left field. You know, it seems like every time we have a vision, it's like, here I am, see what I am, and then disappear and make you, uh, you know, ream for it, you know. This was no different. The hand comes up, he pulls up, and it's Lady Price. Um, you know, the half crispy face. And I don't know if it was just my TV or my eyes were messing with me, but the one eye that was good, did it, did it have like a visual effect in it, like a really bright blue or bluish black or something? I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was trying to just add to the element, but it was more of a distraction than it was something that added a detail that made me go, ooh, or anything of that nature. Um, I, you know, I almost didn't even listen to what she was saying or doing because I was just like, oh my God, that eye. Um, and so uh, that's just my perception. I had to go back and listen a little bit. Um, and then immediately he gets woken up, you know, because he's in a stir, a panic, or whatever. Um, and there's no conclusion to Nora and the Baroness's conversation, to what happened. We didn't find out anything about her crying, coldness, any of those things. Uh, left up for interpretation. I guess that's something we're going to figure out as it goes. Maybe Nora will give us some information or it, uh, whether or not it helps or complicates her overall mission. We shall see. Because uh, one thing about this episode is it had nothing to do with the mystical and mystery and intrigue of who of what she serves or her religion or anything or even or the uh who she's fighting you know these bodies with arms and legs replaced and reversed and none of that was in this episode which i thought was kind of curious i thought i'd get we'd get more information on that but it was very heavy-handed on baroness's pregnancy and brattle's involvement um and so hopefully we get back to that because I did enjoy that intrigue and the, and the mystery of, you know, Honora's background, what she serves. And I want more information on that. And I hope we don't have to, like, do the, you know, skipping episodes to get more information on those things. That would be disappointing to me. Um, then we get to the actual piss test. <laughs> and then, you know, of course they spike their own piss in the jar, you know. And down here in the South, we call that a slop jar. Um, you know, it looked like a pot for her, but here in the South, when you didn't have running water, you know, you, you took your business into a jar and you went outside and you, and you, you know, you either flung it out into the yard for some fertilizing or you put it into another pot or dumped it into a hole some lime. Um, and so, you know, this is what I would call the slop jar. They, uh, they put some kind of powder deal in there and another, another jar of some pregnant woman's piss and they mix it all together and voila. Um, why we have the powder in there, I don't really know. If you do have a jar full of pregnant piss, I thought that was a miss point on the dialogue. Um, I really don't see the necessity um, if you know that's what it is or it's even mentioned or made you to hear that. So I think that was a misfire on the writing um, and unfortunate because, you know, there was some good little back and forth and, you know, tell him that, that pig I'll wait and don't tell a pig. And there was some good little humor there. And so the, all that was good. So you know, just a little bit of a miss there. Anyway, they conduct the test. You know, they put the fluid on a bone. They go through these rusty nails, drop into the deal. And the Lord is just salivating to call her a fraud, you know, and take her back to, the, you know, 
to his kingship to you know be beheaded uh, and it doesn't happen um, the test results come back as positive and the Lord is very unsatisfied and he stakes his name and different things this is all fraud and fake and of course Corbin you know Chamberlain has his little smirk and happiness that he has been defied and wrong um, but then there comes the part about him testing the little bone there and it's stiff and and the, this really floored me is that the guy goes well that's inconsistent uh, results and so on and of course the Lord's like well, why in the heck would you do it anyway do it then and this is a legitimate question that any viewer would ask I mean why would you do a test that's inconclusive or inconsistent is it for TV quality? Did you run out of ideas of you know, and this just seemed like a good idea, but then decided to write it in that it was a terrible idea? Um, I'm just I, I I was floored. I was like, you know, was this just to make the guy look dumber or, or less adequate or so on? And if it was, it failed. Um, I just I don't I didn't get that. It didn't make sense. Um, and I also thought that you know. If your job was to go there to turn her as a fraud, the test results would have been skewed or one way no matter what because you work for the king's lord there. And so I was really surprised by that as well. Um, this was not a result that was expected. Not what I considered I would, was a, a positive for the episode. Um, so I don't know. You know. I might go back and watch it again, but... When you expose that the test is inconclusive and even ask it while it's in the actual dialogue of the show, it brings up a point of why was it in the show. So if I'm wrong on that or there's another perspective on it, please let me know because um, I'm scratching my head on that. Uh, and finally, the show wraps. Brattle and Baroness are, are embracing each other. There's you know the mistake of calling him my love and the hug. And boom, like everything else, a problem is solved, but it creates two more. Marshall walks up. He realizes his friend might have alternative motives or alternative, um, you know, situations that could affect what their overall goal was, why they're there. And so now he's got less faith in his friend. And then, of course, Maddox's wife, or, you know, late Maddox, and looking at Brattle, and realizing that, you know, we learned from earlier in the episode that she was already damaged goods, already suffers from a broken heart. She's trying to make this work and doing, risking her life and family for him. And she, of course, basically catches him with another woman, the Baroness, you know, just hugging. But, you know, if you, if you got me, if you got issues, that's enough. And so there you go. It definitely leads you into the internal struggle, the future drama, the problems that are going to have to be solved. They're going to be revolved around people you like, you love. And you care for, and that's what's going to make it gut wrenching and give the show its meat and potatoes for everybody to enjoy. Um, and overall, that's that's kind of a wrap of the whole little episode. Like I said, it's a good episode. Um, didn't have a whole lot of action, a lot of things, but it did have some really cool scenes, some really unique new things I've never seen, heard of. Um, like, and I'll keep repeating it: the dialogue is improving week by week. Um, I'm, I'm starting to be able to, uh, you know, swallow and absorb some of the, you know, the verbiage and the way things are going. And I think, like I said before, I think it's just an acquired taste. I know Katie Seagal is a, uh, a, a great, great actress. And I know that a lot of people in the show is doing good jobs here and there. There are some rough ones here and there, but 
it's not so distinctive that it makes me go oh while I'm watching the show and that's a good thing and I'm happy because in the beginning I was really critical and really worried and so on and the show is finally progressing and I'm looking forward to how the season is going to roll um, as for that you know there was a slight preview at the end and the only thing I would say about the preview wise is is that uh, you just look forward to more more shady deals with Corbin the, the Chambliss that's going to lead to more problems um, is what I got from it. Other than that, I'm just not going to dive into it much. I'm not much for spoilers or anything. Um, and if you don't watch previews, I don't want to waste your time. So, um, bottom line is, guys, I'm enjoying the show. Please send me some feedback and some more information. I'm getting little tidbits here and there. Um, you know, we have a great guy, Andrew, who sends me stuff and he sent me an interview out and it was discussing a lot of deal about our podcast and, you know, and he seems to be enjoying the, uh, TBX coverage. Uh, really appreciate anything y'all could send my way, an email, uh, a tweet, a, something on Facebook. I love to blog on Facebook. Um, we're at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter, Bleed TV Podcast on Facebook, and we have bleedtv.podbean.com on web, um, uh, our webpage, and of course our Gmail is bleedtvpodcast at, uh, at gmail.com. So hit us up, let us know what you're thinking about the show, where you think it might be going, uh, things maybe you'd like to hear or see in the podcast that we're doing. Um, you know, right now it's just me. Uh, and I'm hoping to get my brother into it. I've got him started watching the show. Um, we really like to pie together. It gives a little more dynamic. And But if not, it's just going to be me because I'm loving the show. I'm a, Sutter, I'm a Sutter fan and looking forward to see where this season's going. But other, other than that, that's all for tonight, guys. And I will catch you up next week. Later.